All right, okay, so apparently we're live now. Uh, it'll probably take a few seconds for the algorithms to let the people know. Um, thanks everybody or anybody who's joining us now for another of the uh, Our New Normal sessions. It's a series that I started to kind of showcase uh, vegan experiences from around the world during the COVID-19 pandemic. And if you've been watching, you know that I've done a few episodes already, but this is only the second live stream. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, and I'm super happy to have my guests involved today. And on that note, could you introduce yourself for everybody? I'd be more than happy to. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Adamescu. I live in Los Angeles. I'm a public school teacher. Specifically, I teach high school English and also yoga. And um, I know Ryan and Tofu from just being involved in the publishing scene and um, having my own Formerly, it hasn't been published in a couple of years, but um, you know, anarchist, uh, vegan, feminist scene, and also having participated um, in Portland uh, in a conference that used to happen, but I don't think it has in a while. I'm, I'm like dating myself already. It's just like the years are flying by, aren't they? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, you know, I feel like even this last month or so for most people feels like a year. Or, you know, there's there's a line right now. There's, like, the before times and there's, like, the current times. So, like, months and years are all just a big mess right now. Nobody knows what's that, going on. That's the general consensus. I honestly find that since, you know, I'm a teacher, so my schedule is this. It's not the same, <laughs> but I'm still I still have a Monday through Friday. So I remember yep. the days. But to me, the, the hours just run into one another. You know, it's like this stream of time. Uh, and it's almost like you could watch it as it passes by. But um, it's definitely a strange context for thinking about time. I find myself looking at the calendar, like checking it specifically every day. And that's not, you know, anything that it's just an interesting new habit to pick up in a situation. Yeah, I mean, well, I can't remember when the conference was, but I, I'm fairly certain that, yeah, they stopped like that year or maybe the next year because um, I feel like it was the first time I ever attended it um, and we just happened to be like sitting next to each other at a table. Um, and I think that's the only time we've crossed paths, right? Like it was just like during that weekend. It was, at least in person, <laughs> yes. I mean, you, yeah. you're you just, you know, I feel like you flit about, you know, from country to country I, I don't mean to make bit. it sound so pity. You just, you know, you're really kind of. I mean, when was the last time that you were in the in the in in Canada? Like, when was the last time you were back? Uh, like two years ago, two and a bit, yeah. maybe. Um, I was supposed to go back. Like, I was. Wait, this is. Yeah, this is April. Sorry, I was thinking it was May for some reason. Um, see, there you go. Point. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I was supposed to go back at the end of May, but. Uh, my family and I decided to cancel that, like, I think late March, because it was just obviously, like, to go from here to, like, the eastern end of Canada. Like, if it was just, say, to Vancouver and British Columbia, you know, it's kind of just go over the Pacific, like, super easy, right? Just hop over the Pacific and you're there. But I've got to do, like, the length of Canada, either that or go through Europe. And obviously right now the options right. of places to, like, hop are not so great and I mean just trying to keep track of like country restrictions like you know I could go up in the air like at the time in March I mean I think things are a little more 
sell it now in terms of like most borders are closed. But at the time it was like, well, I mean, I could get on a flight from say, like I'd go here to Bangkok and then I was supposed to go to Brussels. And I mean, while I'm in the air, like between Bangkok to Brussels, like who knows, right? They could have been like, all right, we're denying all incoming flights, whatever. Right. And, you know, I mean, in theory, I'd just be transiting through all these places, but some places have different rules. I mean, I've transited through the States, but still had to do immigration. Like, I think, yeah, yeah the last time I went through New York, like, I was just going through from Costa Rica to Newfoundland, oh, but yeah, I still had to, like, immigrate. And I'm not a fan of Homeland Security, so it's just like, why? Why do I have to deal with you people right now? Like, you know, and so... Yeah, it was just way too much of like a patchwork of risk. And I was plus like if I got home, then what? I like self-isolate for two weeks without exactly. having seen my family in years. That's no exactly. fun. <laughs> Isn't that yeah, and that's such an interesting uh like manifestation of kind of the microcosm, for example, of you know, I'm not even one I don't even want to drive and get in my car and go about and uh and like in Los Angeles, you know, we've taken a lot of really, um, I would say we, when I say we, I really mean our state government <laughs> yeah. and specifically the mayor of LA, Eric Rossetti, they've taken uh, a lot of swift and uh, really complete measures. So, uh, you know, school's gonna be out on, a, it's gonna be online for the rest of the year. Even summer school is gonna be like that. And uh, they've also rapidly set up a lot of um, free testing centers out like and I, I don't know if they're mobile or not, but you can kind of go into certain neighborhoods and just, you know, get tested really mm -hmm. easily. Oh. Um, yeah. So I think it's that interesting interplay of like, you know, I don't quite have the experience you do of wondering about all of those shifts from nation to nation. But I know that I, I've been thinking about as other states begin to other, I should correct myself, other Southern states uh, and Southern or like truly Midwestern, North Midwestern states uh, begin to uh, open up their economies again. It's just really interesting to think about. I feel like in LA, there's just this sense of, I don't know, I just feel a sense of acceptance in a way. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how we roll it out. I, I, I really don't know how that'll happen when everything begins to come back online. Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, the general feeling I'm getting is that most people don't know how it's going to happen. Because um, mm -hmm. I mean, at least over here, like, you know, in China, this first kind of hit like, I mean, well, December, apparently, maybe it was actually in like November or so. Um, but the news kind of first started coming out in like December. So here, because Vietnam shares a border with China, and there's a fair bit of like, migration back and forth with workers and stuff like there were motion there were things put in place like early january if not in december um and then it just kind of progressed from there like as it moved say to south korea like i've written a fair bit about how i find it interesting that south korea in the west is being held up as like this great example um and you know like this sort of group that's been doing like an amazing job and everything and I mean, they have been now, like they've been doing, uh, as far as I can understand, like phenomenal testing and really sort of unique ways of doing it and everything. Um, but in the beginning, like I think say in January or early February, they were like one of the epicenters, like mm. 
Vietnam was limiting all travel from South Korea and like getting very restrictive about it. And people were just like, cause it was getting <laughs> bad there. Um, and it was actually in the city that I lived in, which was a little eerie. Like, I mean, you know, obviously it, it sucks to have it happen anywhere, but when it happens somewhere where you've been or where you are, like the mind just thinks like, Oh, that's a little weirder now and uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, it happened there. And then like, obviously it kind of just kept going West and hit like in Iran mm -hmm. was kind of the next place we were hearing about and then Italy. And then, so honestly, by the time it was headed to like uh, Canada and the States, I was like, well, you guys got this. It's been like <laughs> three or four months. Right. And, but like you were saying, like to see the way it is in the States, I feel like you're getting an idea of what it's like to be in different countries anyway. Cause there's mm -hmm. very different approaches going on. Um, Whereas here, and I think partially it's because of like the history and the whole one party state, mm -hmm. it's it's very much more like singular, you know, they took this on and they were like, all right, we're gonna take on the enemy and everything. And I feel like, right. you know, the community as a whole was like, okay, let's do this. And there's obviously like plenty of different reasons for why it was different, but in the States, there's definitely more that like individualist thing of like, no, I don't wanna do this. You can't tell right. me to do this. Right. Um, but I think like in the Western states, like, isn't it like Washington, Oregon and California have kind of joined some sort of coalition or whatever they're calling it? Um, yeah. To sort so, of try and organize stuff. Exactly. The before essentially it'll be almost like a Northwestern. Uh, yeah. Northwestern. I was like Northwestern. That's also the name of the university. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is like a pact between the Northwestern states. And I'm sure others will, I, my assumption would be others, other governors and uh, mayors of major cities will like decide that it would be best to do it that way. Um, and which makes sense, you know, from a geographic perspective and also just in, in relation to, uh, you know, trade and what sort of exports we have from our states. And uh, I, yeah, and I think I, I, I generally try and avoid on this topic. I generally, or actually, I absolutely try to avoid and choose not to watch any of the presidential, uh, you know, <laughs> conferences or announcements or whatever about this. And however, like, I think it was last week that I decided to watch one. Oh. And uh, in that, among, among the many other baffling and completely moronic and frankly dangerous things that were talked about. Uh, uh, there was a moment when, um, you know, people were asking about executive power and, you know, what happens if you say, or if uh, um, a state doesn't want to open its economy and there's some sort of national, you know, what, what happens when that occurs? And it, it brought up this interesting question of like, uh, you know, who, according to the constitution, uh, you know, who does have the, uh, say so about all those things. And so it just kind of brought up, you know, I think what I'm thinking about in this moment is like, for example, you know, how can these, how can our states be in a, an actual alliance or, you know, be in a, co obviously we cooperate, you know, economically speaking and in other ways in terms of tourism, but I mean more of a, like a, in solidarity type of a situation. I'm, yeah. I'm really curious to see how, uh, especially with the election coming up in 2020, how that will further shape the politics of regions in the country and how it will, uh, you know, moving forward, what, what that might mean for the United States and, and, and how it like functions and, you know, what level of 
involvement or what size the national government uh, maintains. I don't know. I've just been thinking about that and kind of hoping for this. I don't know. It, I don't know what you'd call it. I, I don't know if, if for the states to secede is what I mean. I just think it's, I don't know, maybe there could be a way of leveraging our power more, especially in terms of, you know, the population of California and just, uh, I don't know, because it's like an East Coast and West Coast. So, you know, those, and they're liberal, they're basically li more liberal bastions, you know, um, yeah. at, at least in terms of at the state government and local government level. So, um, I don't know, it could be an interesting time for how the United States moves forward. Yeah, I mean, even just like, well, I feel like the last couple of years or at least leading up to say like, <clears throat> I'm still not entirely sure how the election process works there because your campaign's been going on for a long time. Like right. in Canada, I feel like Trudeau announced an election, what was a year or so ago? And it was like three months away or something. So I had to scramble to figure out how I could get a ballot sent here, like in time before the election. And meanwhile in the States, it's like, oh yeah, no, we started a while ago. Like the election right. isn't for another year and a half or something. So, I mean, obviously lots of people have been waiting for this since like 2016, but I feel like it's just like, oh, come on. And a part of me kind of wonders whether or not it's even gonna be delayed now because of this, like if things don't get better by the fall. No, there's no way. No? <laughs> there's, I no, mean, there's, there's absolutely no way. Reason being is because essentially, you know, there are bills up um, for consideration uh, regarding uh, requiring the November election to be mail-in ballot only. Yeah. And um, I think that that's a much more likely scenario and there's, I mean, like, obviously there's legal precedent for it and, you know, the United States military does it. So, you know, it's something that's very, already very commonplace. And yeah. um, so I, I would, I think that's probably going to happen. Uh, we'll see about like, you know, the Democratic convention, you know, and the Republican convention, all that kind of yeah. stuff, uh, which will happen over the summer and will probably be virtual, obviously, but. Uh, I don't know. I definitely, and and the reason why I would be extremely afraid of that is, and as we can see around the world, and you were talking about it a little bit in terms of the author. Well, I mean, there's already a sense of authoritarianism or, you know, didacticism from the perspective of, of Vietnam or, you know, China or any of those like proto-communist, socialist, whatever, communist states, um, nations, I should say. Um, but, you know, I think that it's, it's just in such an interesting situation where you have to think about like, you know, the abuses of power that have already occurred in the Trump administration and that are ongoing and that are legal there that are legally persecutable. And, um, you know, I think that the idea of moving and I could see Trump promoting something like that, or, you know, members of conservative elites promoting that, um, which would be a way for him to seize power and to like even argue in the future that we, this is a time we need to keep a president and we shouldn't hold elections. And, but if that were to happen, no, people will go out in the street. Uh, I'm, I'm very confident in that. Uh, I know I would uh, yeah. personally, but <laughs> so hopefully there, so hopefully we don't have to, I mean, like actually, you know, I would, I would support a coup whenever it would happen. However, hopefully it's not in the context of us literally 
many of us choosing, okay, well, I'm just going to risk death, literally risk death right now, simply by, you know, gathering in large numbers in the streets. But <laughs> you, um, you can say that word where you are. I probably should not repeat that word around. Oh, oh, I apologize. Parts. Yes. No, 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 no. I mean, mainly like Southeast Asia. I mean, Thailand, technically, like as much as when I go there, it's totally, you know, it's just like anywhere else I've been. But I mean, their last coup was, I can't remember what it was. I want to say between six to eight years ago. Like technically they're being run by like a military group right now. Uh, they did actually have an election last year, but you know, it's, it's a word, not necessarily a process. Yep. Um, Good way. So I'm i I'm definitely not surprised we got into politics right off the bat, but, um, <laughs> did I do that? I'm sorry. It's just so me. No, I knew it was going to happen and it's fine. Um, but so I know you kind of measured like, sorry, you mentioned uh, some of the measures that are in place, like in LA and California and even like the Pacific Northwest. Um, but are there anything else? Like, so for you as a teacher, like when did the schools shut down? I mean, are you doing online classes right now or so many questions? So many questions. I'll just start at the beginning. Our last day of classes was March 13th. Our last okay. day of physical clashes, I should say. And I'm, yeah. a, I'm also a union representative. Um, so essentially the union immediately started bargaining with the district and that's been ongoing. And, uh, so basically we were, we in Los Angeles and, and really in California, because we have a great state superintendent over education and also our governor's, you know, very, I am sorry. I was just about to say very liberal, but that's in the context of neoliberalism. So I'm going to say that he has some progressive ideas and he's not, He's a little left of center, shall we say. Um, but uh, so teachers will maintain their salary. There won't be any pay cuts. You know, we're not, we're not going to be furloughed. Um, and, you know, the even we have protections for substitute teachers. We have protections for, um, you know, classified workers. So those would be like teachers assistants or special education providers and things like mm -hmm. that. So, uh, you know, I'm in a very... I'm in a distinct position of privilege when it comes to, you know, not having to have the added uh, stress and crisis of not knowing where my next paycheck yeah. will come from. Uh, I know that in LA there's been a, a, a big move for rent moratorium or, you know, rent freezes and mortgage freezes and things like that. I, I'm hoping that those things gain momentum. However, I don't, I, th I honestly think that they, those things have less support right now because it's it's an interesting interplay of like many of us and and I'm not like this. Um, this is the first time I've ever lived in a building that's corporate owned and run. Um, but in the past, you know, I knew all of my landlords and you kind of, you know, obviously landlords can be horrible people because people are horrible sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, those are people that, you know, and in this situation, you you tend to have empathy. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'd actually be interested to know, like, are people tending, you know, you know, barring the people who are pro, the, who are protesting out in the streets right now to reopen the economy, uh, in, in reopen reopen the United States as the, as as it were, uh, you know, barring those people, I, I I wonder if like people are experiencing this surge of compassion, or at least in terms of their initial reaction. So like, you know, I think that throws a big wrench in the like freezing rent, freezing mortgages. Um, because it's like, 
and it requires so much nuance in a time like this because you know many apartment buildings uh, in Los Angeles are owned by you know all of the old buildings are owned by families you know and yeah. by, so it, it's just this interesting thing. Um, but yeah, we're doing online learning, so it it's like thinking about trying to explain all of it to you right now is giving me a little bit of an anxiety. Attack. I don't. I mean, I don't need like you know the whole history. It's yeah. just like. Because there are some general things that most people have talked about, like social distancing. Um, I know the mask stuff has kind of just come into play recently, maybe. Um, but I mean, obviously, there's also issues of compliance. Like there's, right. I, the, you know, I, I know from the other side of the world, I know there's been issues of compliance in the States for sure. Um, yeah. And I mean, like, I, I see it here, too. Like when I go out, you know, there's lots of people around here um, that aren't wearing masks. And right now they're mandatory, like people are being fined. Um, there's been at least two cases where people are now facing prison time, which I think is definitely a little over the top. Um, wow. However, it did kind of involve like altercations with police officers because they had been drinking and like one guy mm -hmm. threw a punch at the cop and this is all over masks. So, wow. but still, I mean, like I'm sure uh, prison time here, well, prison time in general is not exactly a great solution. So there's, you know, there's been issues. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get like super anxious to go out to the market and it's just like a two minute walk to the street market, put the mask on. And then I go outside and there's like people just hanging out, drinking their coffee and playing right. their backgammon or whatever. And I'm like, did you, did you get the memo? Do you not know what's happening? But I mean, like relative to most of the world, uh, we're sitting at 268 cases in total. Like, wow, really? See, I didn't know that it was that few. Yeah, no, out of 95 million people, like, wow, 268 cases, no deaths. Um, we haven't had a case in the whole country. I think uh, if it's still the same now for like a week, if not maybe wow. a week and a day. Um, in Saigon, which I don't know the population here, but I'm sure it's like probably at least eight to 10 million, maybe. Um, we haven't had a new case since like April 3rd or April 6th. Um, and I wow. think like out of those 268, we're probably around 220, 230 recovered. So there's only like 20 or 30 people. Wow. Um, yeah, here, I think we had like 54 cases and there's maybe two or three left. Uh, one of them is a British pilot who was in like seriously critical condition, but I think he's slowly coming out of it now. Um, but so yeah, like I'm not as frustrated with the lack of compliance here um, because like the numbers, you know, and I, people are definitely questioning like the testing and everything. Cause again, like we kind of mentioned about the government level. Exactly. Um, yeah. But I kind of feel like in a place with that size of a population and in like this big city, if the numbers were really off, you couldn't hide it that well. Like I can understand if like from outside of the country, I would totally question it. Right. But like being here right now, I mean, I don't know, like I don't know anybody who got sick. Um, I know people who have been in lockdown in their apartment buildings, mm -hmm. like literally one case or whatever was uh, noted there and then boom, they shut the whole building down. No one's allowed in or out. Like they would show up and bring you food, you know, and water and stuff. And you had to be like in your building for 14 days. Uh, I visited one of the quarantine facilities like last month um, because basically anyone that flew in, like when you landed, you were sent to a quarantine facility for 14 days. So a lot of the cases yeah. that did come up 
were within these facilities. Uh. So if they were positive, like it was already being contained. Um, and like, I have an app on my phone that actually I'm pretty sure lets them track me. Um, and in this, <laughs> in this time, I'm like, I'm okay with that. Cause That's you know, interesting. It, yeah. And I mean, it's strange, like the things that have changed now that I'm okay with, such as the government tracking me and borders being closed. Like six months ago, I was very much not wanting borders closed. Like I wasn't a fan of borders, but now I was like, watching back home and being like why the fuck didn't you shut the border down like two months ago like mm -hmm. what are you doing canada my home province is an island they should have been fine but they've got more cases than here and i was like why why didn't you stop the boat and the planes just shut it down let things figure themselves out you know so i don't know it's it's an interesting time <laughs> Well, I think I think that question is really interesting. Um, you know, I and I would just wanted to say I know that I'm being surveilled just because that's the nature of surveillance surveillance during uh, you know under capitalism. Uh, you know, however, I think it's interesting to think about the issue of borders because you know, and and I'm not sure if you heard, but uh, our president uh just like signed an order about like not allowing any immigration for the next two months essentially yeah and you know it's an interesting and and i just i would always like to me i'm just so and and i know you're the same way you know you're perceptive of kind of the the way that authoritarianism and the way that oppressive structures function. And a lot of it is through silence or through like, you know, being hidden in certain ways or like using, it's kind of like the double speak um, from 1984 where, you know, uh, essentially it's very easy. If you just say something that's placating or you put it in terms that, you know, are actually untrue or they are so so unspecific that there's really nothing to be gleaned from them and that's happening a lot here and so oh, I, yeah. think, I think that it's really important to note that and I mean like I felt the same way from an instinctual perspective of just thinking like I mean honestly and, and you know I'm just gonna say this like I think that as a teacher and you know California is a state essentially where the we might have had the very first case in the entire country and obviously that's oh. due to where we're located on the map right but um so I, I'm, I'm thinking I probably was already exposed way back in January or February. And I mean, mm -hmm. like, you know, this is a season where you get sick anyway. And, you know, I think if they ever, or once they do hopefully get the, you know, the blood test where for the antibody test to see, you know, if you have, to, if you do develop, which I really hope so, <laughs> develop immunity, um, you know, I think that'll be very telling. Because I think then we'll really be able to understand, you know, not only like the way that this particular virus operates, but also like what was the pattern of infection. And um, I, I think that we'll probably see something and we'll be shocked about like, oh my gosh, you know, how quickly it was transferred in schools from children who are essentially asymptomatic, you know, and it's yeah it'll be it'll be fascinating whenever we get to that point but yeah um speaking i mean again going into politics partially because i mean i started this whole series because i'm self-isolating my partner's in a different city and i was like i need an excuse to talk to a bunch of people <laughs> so you're definitely not pushing the politics side i'm totally on board with it um but since we talked about the immunity and everything 
Uh, how do you feel about this idea of like immunity passports and like classifying people by, you know, either immunized or possibly infected and therefore, you know, you can't work or go out in public and everything. I mean, okay. This is such a hard question. I'm angry at you for asking me actually. And I really want to hear what you have to say after I give my answer. I can, I can give mine first if you want. Um, no, I want to give mine. Okay. <laughs> um, but essentially, here's the thing. Science is real. And, and you know, you know all these people in, in the United States who are like saying, you know, uh, I need my liberty, you know, and then these happen to also be the same people who are anti-vax. Like, that, they're the same community, okay? Yep. Um, so it's this thing of actually really taking seriously from a scientific perspective uh, the necessity for inoculation, herd immunity, whatever you want to call it, you, in the United States. And I'd be curious to know about in Canada or where, you know, the other nations where you've lived, uh, countries where you've lived. Um, you know, in order to go to college here, you have to have a certain set of immunizations, like it just has to happen, you know, and, and I, and I fully support the vaccination, like requiring, for example, teachers and students, whenever that does become available, requiring them to have a vaccination, I, I fully and firmly believe and support it, um, for the community, but especially as people return to work. And if we're in a government or any public service organization or any public organization, I, I support that. Um, I, I, however, you know, it becomes this question of like, the, I, I hadn't thought or heard about the passports. That's, that's a fascinating, oh, no. Yeah. no, I hadn't. I, 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 I think that that becomes essentially because the person or like the entity that's being represented there Technically, you could say it's the people, but it's also the you, the national government at that point. So I think it's a little different than when you're on the ground and saying in Los Angeles city schools or in, you know, and it might be different and I wish it wasn't, but it might be different in rural versus urban situations too. I'm not an epidemiologist, <laughs> you know, I don't work for the CDC or the WHO. So, uh, you know, I don't have a medical degree. I don't necessarily know like if it will be in rounds, if, you know, there will be like, you know, we'll, uh, the certain days of the week, uh, you know, I'm thinking like, in, for example, in schools, like, are we going to have the population extend the school year by going every other day? I mean, there yeah. are just so many things that could happen. But I, from an ethical standpoint, from an intellectual, like scientific standpoint, absolutely um, support and would advocate for uh, inoculation. I, I've already talked to some of my colleagues about that. Um, I have you know, and I, I hate to admit it, but like I work with folks who are anti-vax and who are very, you know, libertarian in the U.S. That's like a term. It's essentially like you were mentioning earlier. It's like individualism, essentially. Yeah. And uh, who would say, well, I'm not going to take get a vaccine and, and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, my response has been, well, then you have to accept the social consequences of that which would mean that you might have to retire early or, you know, depending upon your situation, you might have to uh, uh, wait until, I don't know what it would be like for that person, but like I would fully support as a union representative, I would fully support that measure um, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, work is, you know, we're selling our labor. Yeah, I get that, but humanity, uh, morals and like shared community values have to come before that. And that's part of the problem, right? When everything's put in 
the in the perspective of the I, as opposed to sometimes the community or the we or the us. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it's a very, I think, and I know that there were probably a lot of other far left aligned folks like me who would disagree with me actually. And who would say that, you know, but you know, again, I'm always gonna, I'm, I'm gonna point to the fact that those are people who, you know, are probably le way less progressive actually or like uh, who don't really understand, I don't know, aren't students of history and understand how socialist movements work or how, you know, um, cooperation works or, you know, mutual aid, how any of those things work, you know? So, you know, and then at the end of the day, we're, you and I are speaking from relative places of privilege in regards to these topics anyway. Uh, and we would be the least likely to be affected because of our age and, you know, just in general, our likelihood to be healthier and to have access to healthcare and all that kind of stuff just simply because we're white or simply because of, you know, where we grew up or, you know, all of those factors. Um, but uh, for people like my students and their families, they don't have choices. My family, my students are all young people of color. They 93% of students at my school qualify for free and reduced lunch, which means they fall below the federal poverty line. Yeah. And so their parents are the essential workers. You know, they're, they're blue collar workers. They're, you know, laborers. So, um, and many times menial labor. So, you know, those are the people who can't afford to have people who are in positions of privilege to choose, you know, whether or not to adhere to uh, you know, a very reasonable request, you know, and just because it's coming from government, it doesn't matter. I mean, like, obviously, we should always be critical of those things. But, you know, sometimes, just because it's a governmental, you know, requirement doesn't mean that it's necessarily inherently bad for, you know, the proletariat or the working class or for mothers. You know, I mean, I, I just don't buy that. That's just too, you know, it's just too reductive. It, it really tries to treat a very complex issue as if it's like, it's like 2D instead of like 5D, you know? So, yeah. sorry, sorry to put it in. I don't know why I put it in those terms. I think it might be because, you know, I play D&D. &D, so like, I'm thinking of like all the dice, but anyway, that's beside <laughs> the point. I still, still haven't played that. I have a few oh friends God. that do. I know. Like, I feel like at some point I should have by now, but Everyone I know that plays it. Now. Yeah, but everyone I know that plays it is like a million miles away. I mean, I guess you can do it online, but I feel like it would be a, a fairly different thing, maybe. It's really, um, yeah, nothing can replace the in-person thing. However, yeah. it, it's really fun online and you, and you can have virtual dice and you can have video chat like this. And the maps are interactive, whoever. Anyway, we're getting like, mm -hmm. this is such a digressive point. It, Roll twenty is awesome. I'm gonna shout it out. It's it's. I, I okay. recommend it. And what a better time, you know? I know a lot of people are doing Animal Crossing right now. I I don't. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not really gonna do that. But I do think that you know, spending time in creating worlds and existing like in a world socially online, you know, through D and D is something that's really special because it's also yeah. just so collaborative and, uh, you know, based in the imagination or creativity and. Um, Anyway, that's my plug for Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Everybody needs to go out and play. Um, I'm I'm actually I'm actually setting to be a, a dungeon master myself so that I can host oh, my cool. own. Once I do, I'll yeah. let you know. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like because that's like 
I mean, again, having not played it, but having seen like references in pop culture and little snippets of people playing like in movies and stuff, I feel like I would totally want to be like that person. Like I would want to be the one kind of in more control of the story. Um, but I mean, obviously that would probably be better with experience because jumping right into it, I, I think maybe I would totally fail. Um, but no, so I feel like part of, um, I mean, the whole passport thing, when I first heard about it, this was like sort of just people throwing at ideas of like, how will we come out of this and what will like, will our new normal be when we do? Um, and I mean, there's a million different scenarios, but this is one that has kind of been thrown around. And I mean, for me, like my, my immediate reaction is like, uh, the idea of, you know, documented and undocumented workers and everything. I'm just like, oh, fuck, not this whole, like, not another level of stuff. Um, but then, like you said, like from the science basis, I'm like, yeah, okay, I get, I get the idea behind it. Like the people that are okay to go out and work and not get sick can go out and work. I mean, but then you look at like, who are the people right now that are getting sick and everything versus the ones that are able to socially isolate and everything. So right. maybe that's just going to end up like stretching that gap again. Um, and I mean, you know, the rich people are going to figure out a way to remain being rich. They're going to be like, well, I can't go work because I'm not infected. Um, I hadn't thought about it in terms of being able to have access to immunization and everything, because I mean, if you want to work, yes, you can go and get immunized and then you can go to work. If you don't want to work, then maybe you're just like, well, I don't want to be immunized. So I guess I can't work. Now give me a, you know, a benefit check or like, I'm a CEO, I'm just not going to bother. And therefore I can't do it. Like, I mean, obviously there's a whole bunch of stuff. And plus, sure. you know, people can, I mean, I was thinking of it in terms of like without the vaccine, cause that still seems like a weird distant concept to me. Like for me, in some ways I'm actually kind of like, I have had ups and downs like physically um, since I came here in March. And so I don't know, I may have had it which is part of the reason why I've been limiting going out and why I've been wearing a mask. Um, but because the numbers have been so good here, in theory, so many people have not been exposed to it. So that's a good thing, but also a bad thing. Because I mean, you know, like now, if we go out into the world, I mean, a lot of other people have been exposed to it and have dealt with it. And now, hopefully, they won't get it again, or maybe at least not until like whatever next season it comes back. Um, but like most of Vietnam in theory hasn't been exposed. Hmm. So we're like, you know, if we open our borders, is it just gonna blow up really bad because we don't have anywhere near a herd immunity? I mean, 268 cases out of 95 million is not herd immunity. And again, you know, if a, if a vaccine comes up, then fine, obviously that can be a thing. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, obviously there's so many million ways you can go with this in your head. and a lot of us have the time to <laughs> sit and ponder it and it leads to way too many things. Yeah. Um, very true. Yeah. So, okay. I'm going to get back to some of the questions um, that I sent you. And I know I told you we might digress, but maybe you weren't quite expecting this much of a diversion. Uh, <laughs> I, so if I could say real quick, I do mm -hmm. have to hop off soon since we started a little later um, just because I actually have, uh, I don't know if you've ever played Catan before. Another one I've heard of, but I haven't done it yet. It's so fun. Um, I'm going to play some with some friends. Uh, so, okay. uh, 
just a couple more minutes would be okay. Okay, well, we can speed round. Um, okay. Side note, one person that I talked to mentioned boardgamearena.com is somewhere that she's been going a lot because uh, an ex of hers got her into board games and she became really good friends with someone's husband who was into them and now they play them like through this website. Um, I don't know if it's like a lot of the like big ones, but there's like thousands of different games on there and you can play them online with friends. Um, so she mentioned that was one of the things she's been using to kind of cope with like, you know, keeping her mind off things and whatever. Um, so you might want to look into that, although it sounds like you have a pretty good board game schedule already. Um, I try to, yes. So let's let's do the speed round then. Um, how have the measures impacted your loved ones and you, and how are you coping with the situation? I guess which kind of goes into the board game thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I do yoga, and I still go for runs, uh, take my dog on walks. I read books, watch films, I mean, and I work. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I find yeah. actually that I'm... I have plenty to occupy my time, and if anything, I feel more motivated because I have so much time. Um, I haven't been affected other than you know being moved to online learning with and having to adapt all of my work for that. However, you know it really. I feel very fortunate. Um, you know, my partner, his work was affected, and but he was able to find some work in the interim. So, you know, we're. I don't know, we're just kind of in the situation where we feel stable. And I know, yeah. I know a lot of people though, who have been furloughed or have been laid off. Um, and who, uh, you know, just who are more directly affected in terms of finances, and also just in terms of access to healthcare, which I know has been a very which is a serious consideration in the United States. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, um, but yeah, I, I, my parents are from, I'm from the Midwest and they live there and, you know, my mom is, you know, which is very much like her. She's very anxious and nervous and wanting to like not leave the house ever. And my dad's just kind of laissez-faire. That's pretty much how he, you know, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. So <laughs> Um, but yeah, I haven't known anybody personally who is, has at least been diagnosed. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much my reaction to yeah. it. My experience. Okay. Um, so obviously we kind of dove a little into like the exiting of this whole current state of affairs. Um, but for you personally, like when, when this is kind of shifted to the after times, um, what do you what do you think you're going to take away from it for you personally? Like, what have you maybe learned, or what might you kind of change in your behaviors or your mindset coming out of this? Oh gosh, um, I mean, public education is students need to be in classrooms with teachers. They can tell you that after having this experience. I think yeah. they're they're the best people to ask about that. Um, so the need for high quality and accessible public education uh, is ever more prescient in my mind. And I, I've always considered being an educator as a form of activism. And I think that it's just, it always becomes more clear to me that that is the, the place from which all positive revolutionary change will come. 
Um, and so that in terms of like, I mean, I'm, I'm in some ways I was primed for this cause I'm very, I know I don't come off this way, but I have, I have, uh, social anxiety, like actual social anxiety, not like people on Reddit who say, they, Oh, you know, social anxiety. But you know, in reality, that's not what <laughs> <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> um, they just like get annoyed with people and irritated, which is normal. But then, you know, when you have to go home and not be around anybody and have no sound and <laughs> anyway, so I have social anxiety. Um, and, uh, I also, you know, from childhood spent a lot of time on my own. That's for a bunch of different reasons that, you know, aren't relevant right now. But, mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, I just have a lot of experience with it. Um, I, and I've never enjoyed being in large groups of people. <laughs> uh, I think just for me though, I, I'm going to really enforce my personal space a lot more, um, yeah. stringently, especially with young people, you know, they're, they're still learning, um, how to kind of navigate the world as young adults. So, um, I think that that's a big change, just enforcing my, my, my personal space and deciding yeah. who gets to enter it. Yeah. Um, so what about in terms of the world in general, what do you, what do you hope comes out of this tragedy that maybe will be at least a little silver lining? That solar energy takes over and, yeah. uh, we demolish all, uh, malls, which are in department stores, which are going to, are officially going to be done and that we rewild them and, you know, rebuild natural habitats that <clears throat> that uh, lawmakers in this country and around the world will not allow um, corporations and uh, you know corporate interests um, from getting around uh, environmental regulations that the that it will be essentially automatic this will be the start of the transition toward uh, moving away from fossil fuels like officially that you know that the oil industry will never recover from what's occurring to them right now um and that the that truly i mean obviously wet markets and live markets and things like that are only a small representation of the horrific and unclean things that occur to other animals around the world but i do hope that you know that nations are serious when they discuss or say that they're banning wildlife trade when they're banning you know, I think there's a difference between banning and outlawing. Like these things need to be outlawed and the punishment needs to be severe and people need to be prosecuted. Again, like we can talk about the law, uh, but there needs to be some system of accountability. Um, so, I mean, I, I hope a lot of things. I, I just, I hope that people read more. I hope that people, I don't know, I could keep going, you know, continue to cut out it's animal products. I don't know. <laughs> You, I mean, I would have accepted like a Woodward answer. It's okay. Sorry. I, I, no, 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 it's fine. I mean, we're, we're speed rounding now. So I'm just saying. I you know, appreciate it, yeah. You don't need to apologize. There's no no set expectations. Uh, on that note, I did, um, I did definitely expect we would cover some of the things we did. Um, that answer was great and a big surprise. I didn't expect some of what you said, but I think it's very important. Um, so I'm going to say thank you so much for, uh, giving us a bit of a window into the current things in LA and the United States in general. Um, and hopefully some point we'll cross paths again. Maybe, you know, it'll be at a table at a conference whenever those are still a thing. When will they come back? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? It's true. Um,
Or maybe it'll be a D&D game. We never know. I mean, That's it was totally- That's more likely to happen. I'm just yeah. saying. It'll it be was fun. totally random that we met in the first place. So who knows? Right. We'll see. We'll see where things go. But um, yeah, thank you so much for joining me, and I hope your game goes great. And uh, stay safe and wash your hands. And there you go. That's that's it. Ryan, you're awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you, and thank you so much. And um, we'll be in touch soon. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>